morning y'all welcome back to all things i want to discuss um i know it's been a month i can't believe it since i last recorded and i was trying to do better but things just kind of came up and life got in the way but we're gonna try this again to get back to the weekly episodes if i can i definitely have a lot to say um but this um, episode will primarily be my interview with my friend DeAndra Williams, who was the founder of Seven Stones Consulting. She has an event coming up tomorrow, Saturday, um, for students and young adults ages 16 through 20 um, to help them with college and career planning. So um, I felt like that was more important and the episode the interview is a little long, so everything else will be shorter. I'm still going to do what's happened since and all things I want to discuss, but those segments will be a lot shorter this episode, and I'll probably revisit some of the things that um, I want to discuss in the following week's episode because there's just no way I can really get through um, everything in 10 minutes or so. So bear with me, um, and I hope you guys really take the time to listen to the interview. It was a good interview, and, you know, even if it doesn't apply to you, you might know of a student or a family or someone who just needs help making those next steps. So it's a great interview. Again, it will be, the event will be tomorrow, Saturday. So, what's happened since? So much stuff has happened. Oh, really? But I, okay, so many things have happened, but I've kind of thought about four things that I, um, really wanted to discuss in this episode one um bill cosby found guilty i'm honestly not surprised i figured the second time around he was gonna get convicted and it wasn't so much because of the attorney or the prosecutor doing a better job or or anything like that that's not what i thought was gonna happen i really felt like with the momentum around supporting women and um and being against sexual assault that I just felt like the second time around he's definitely going to get convicted. Um I so yeah, I'm not surprised. But I don't think that he's going to die in jail. He's an 80-year-old man or maybe even older going blind, legally blind. I just don't see it. Like mm, and of course they're already saying they're going to appeal. So I just feel like this is going to take you know, the legal process, he's probably going to die with this hanging over his head, but I just don't see him going to jail. Um, what else? Oh, so there have been some prominent deaths, um, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Winnie Mandela died and so did Barbara Bush. And it was just interesting because, you know, I know these ladies from, I know, ha, you know what I mean? I know of these ladies from since I was a kid, um, for different reasons. And it just was interesting to see people, um, in their comments and what they posted. Like, I really had no idea. I take that back. I shouldn't say no idea. I didn't think that people would bring up controversy, um, surrounding, surrounding Winnie Mandela. Uh, like what possibly, you might not agree with her tactics, but really what possibly could you say about someone who, um, was an anti-apartheid activist and I was just surprised to see posting seeing people post that you know we're not gonna discredit her we're not going to defame her or anything like that and I'm like wondering who is doing that but I guess you know 
somebody has something to say somebody has something to say about everyone um so i guess i really shouldn't be surprised and the same thing with barbara bush although i can kind of understand that a little bit more but you know it just really made me think about how as we get older really looking at the legacy of people who we may have first come in contact with um when we were younger and not really understanding the ramifications of the things that they were doing um, and how it had impact on our families, on society. So I just thought that was really interesting um, to see how people felt differently about these two women. And, and some people wanted to honor them and some people didn't. Mark Zuckerberg and Congress. Um, <laughs> so as you guys know, Mark Zuckerberg has testified before Congress concerning... Um, data issues including privacy and who owns the data and what's shared and the influence um that outside groups have manipulating people and and things like that and it just was really interesting i don't know if you guys watched the video um of him being interviewed and it just was like you know mark zuckerberg explains the internet to congress which you know really highlighted that you know if we're gonna move towards the so if we're going to move towards a more progressive era, then we're really going to need a Congress that is more um, in tune with how technology has changed and how it works and just for everyday use. There are certain questions were just, and I'm not a tech person at all, and even I was like, um, sir, do you even use a computer? And this makes me laugh too because, was it, the Apple commercial, I think, and the young girl is like, what's a computer? So, you know, as we age, things just change. And I think we all just need to be a little bit more on top of things, um, especially with Congress. And not only that, just moving on, thinking about um, the social media tools and stuff like that, like, we're obviously not to blame, I don't think at all. But I do think sometimes maybe we should think about why, you know, something new is available. Like, your messages that you send on Messenger aren't private. I don't have it. Um, Facebook Messenger just because I couldn't understand a need for getting it. Like, it worked just fine when it was a part of the normal app. Why are you separating it? And then there are 50 million ways to talk to people between Snapchat, your actual phone for phone calls or text messages, emails, whatever. I just couldn't justify myself getting the Messenger app. But, you know, it just made me think that sometimes, you know, just because it's offered doesn't mean we always need to take it. So, you know, let's just try to have our hats on when we're thinking about social media and these tools because once we get hooked on them, it's hard to it's hard to break away. You know, even with all this controversy surrounding Facebook, they still recorded like record profits this quarter, I think. Um, something I read somewhere. So we're as much as the things that they're doing are wrong and, and they're doing all these changes, I've seen new privacy policies from probably every social media outlet that I'm on now. But as much as these things are changing, like they're still bringing the bucks, right? Like nothing's really, I shouldn't say changing, as much as things are coming to light about how they use our data and, and stuff like that, their bottom line isn't hurting. Like, so we just need to be mindful about how much power we really give to these companies. It's the same thing with the airlines, too. Like, gas has gone down considerably for them, for us. And, 
yet we're still paying high prices. And their reasoning is to pay for gas. Like, yes, they were in these contracts that they were never supposed to get into in the first place. But at the end of the day, like now you're at this point where gas can't really be your excuse, but yet we're paying all these prices and we're not walking away, right? Because airline is the most convenient way to fly, to, to travel. No one really wants to get on a train or a bus. Whew, jeez. But I just remember long trips as a kid. But you know what I mean? So we're kind of locked into these things, right? Like as much as we have some sort of control, we kind of don't just because our preferences have changed. So I just think going forward, we should probably just be a little bit more mindful in general about things before we get all gun-ho about them. Um, and lastly, I wanted to talk about um, James Shaw Jr. So I don't have time to really dig into what's going on with Waffle House and the incidents that's happened before, or even Starbucks for that matter, but I really think that we should really recognize um, James for his heroic act. I know he says that he doesn't see himself as a hero, like he just, you know, if you're gonna kill me, then you're, you're not gonna do it without a fight. But at the same time, he saved so many more people um, from an untimely fate. And I just think that he really should get the recognition that he deserves. Not only did he stop the terrorists, and yes, I'm calling him a terrorist. I'm not even gonna use his name. It is what it is. Um, but not only did he do that, but he's also started a GoFundMe campaign for the victims' families. And so far, he's raised $165,000. And this was as of yesterday, so I'm pretty sure people probably are still giving today. And just to take it to that next level is just great. And I don't think that he's getting the recognition that he deserves. And I'm pretty sure many other people probably feel the same way. And this story just isn't being told in the same way it would be told if this was a person of color who went in and shot up some, and shot up a restaurant, right? Like. It's just not getting that coverage, and we can all be honest, it's because of who he is. So I'm gonna use my platform to say, to be thankful for him and appreciative of what he did and the sacrifice he was willing to make. So next up will be my um, interview with Deandra for The Spotlight, so stay tuned. Hi everyone, welcome back for The Spotlight. As I told you, I was going to have my next, my first guest during my next episode, and I am lucky enough to have my friend Deandra Williams um, as my first guest today. She is going to talk to you guys about her company, Seven Stones Consulting, and their upcoming event, um, My Next Steps College Career Planning. Deandra is the current director of high school volunteers at Cambridge School Volunteers. She has her MSW from Columbia University and a BA in business from the University of Hartford. So Deandra, why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners and talk to them about Seven Stones and why you started um, the consulting practice. So first and foremost, thank you so much, April, for welcoming me on your podcast and on the spotlight. I love the name. Um, and then I'm just really honored to just want to be your first guest, but also to even be thought of to talk about the significance and importance of preparing young people and most importantly, having parents um, and guardians for the most part play a huge role in being a part of the process. Um, so yes, as you said, I have earned my MSW from Columbia University School of Social Work and my bachelor's from um, University of Hartford. So I'm really excited just to head to even have gone that route. And some people ask me, oh, you know, you got your bachelor's in business and then all of a sudden you changed, you changed and decided to get your master's in social work. And 
no, there was no mind change. There wasn't anything that caused me to, to change my path. Ultimately, I've always been a huge fan of creating access and creating generational wealth, particularly for communities and people of color. Uh, growing up in Roxbury, I often saw a lot of the different things that were stopping people from um, being able to grow and to be mobile. Um, and so oftentimes, you know, I've always thought like it would be better if, you know, people have access to jobs. Uh, if, if there weren't like so many different obstacles and, and obstacles in place that would prevent people from getting to where it is that they need to be. Um, so I always kind of like saw these things when I was a little girl and it just kind of always bothered me to be a, 100% honest. I sometimes tell the story, but not always. But I also remember just like walking in the street because I never like walking on the sidewalks because they were always dirty and that used to irritate me. And for a long part of my life, I always wanted to just be a marine biologist because I was a big fan of science. And it didn't click that I wanted to go into this type of work until I was in high school. And at the time, the person who was our student teacher actually ended up teaching our um, U.S. Civil Histories class. And he talked about Martin Luther King and Mountain and how as they were coming towards the end of their fight in the civil rights movements, although they didn't know it was going to be their end, that they started to see that their visions were starting to kind of um, cross paths. So there was this whole idea on Martin Luther King part, like after going to jail um, to really see how he was impacted. I, you know, you can't always fight like the good fight, if you will. So there needs to be a lot of change when it comes to how we're looking at people economically and looking at the different barriers that stop people from doing what it is they need to do. And then for, Mar uh, for Malcolm X, it wasn't until he went to Mecca and saw people that were of Muslim faith, they were of different races and um, so forth, but they still kind of believe in this whole idea of people succeeding and so forth. So he still was in the fight for the most part for people of color, particularly black people to, to have access, but also looking at different ways you can really do that. So they start, their vision start to kind of become as one. And then I never forget, we watched a documentary of the Robert Taylor Homes in Chicago um, and how the tower projects basically simul um, simulated prisons and the whole concept and idea of like how they would go home, but it would look like a prison. So they would walk through the, you know, walk like the um, fence hallways and then they would end up going to school and then they're going through metal detectors. And if there weren't so many because there weren't as many resources for them, it allowed them to kind of pick up the behaviors that they had. So then they would end up going to jail. But like their jails basically would look like exactly where they were coming out of. And then when they go to school, it's the same thing. And then there are still not as many resources in the school. So it was at that point, I realized that, oh, I think I want to go ahead and do this type of work. So I went to school for business. so I can understand how organizations work. Um, at the time, they didn't have like nonprofit management and any of that stuff. And then 
afterwards, I knew that I was going to go to grad school and particularly I was going to like major either in social work or education, but if it was going to be social work, they would have to have an education component. So, you know, I ended up, well, actually while I was at Howard because I went there, I transferred there um, and I didn't stay there. And that's another story for another day. But I never forget, I walked at the table three times and the woman grabbed my hand and said, you need to come to Columbia. And I looked at it, I was like, oh, absolutely not. Like, I don't need to go there to prove that I was smart. But also, too, <laughs> I think my insecurity, <laughs> you know? Right. You know, like, oh, I'm not going to get into Columbia. So what we do is people of color, particularly Black people, we, like, build up all these defense walls of, like, why I'm not going to do it. Um, at the same time, like, I would still, like, try to psych her out, but also kind of psyching myself out at the same time. And then she mentioned how they had the social enterprise um, administration mm-hmm. program schooling services and the social program so it's basically everything that I wanted to do and in addition to that like I can take like my previous knowledge to really help me understand like how to make organizations work so it was mind-blowing for me um and that's the reason why I went the path that I did so I knew like all my life I was going to end up with type of organization I didn't know what it was going to be called. It was going to be at, at one point alpha. I mean, I have all these journals back when I was in college, like planning all this stuff. Um, <laughs> and it's been through so many variations and so forth. Um, but I also knew too that I had to really do research. So I started by working in a school. I had to understand how schools work as soon as I had came out of grad school. And then unfortunately, but fortunately, um, when I was working for BPS, they had a departmental layoff. And, you know, they, kind of, they asked me to come back, but I said, no, because I also ended up pregnant at that time, too. And I said, no, you know, I'm just going to take care of my daughter and, you know, whatever. So I ended up teaching for a little bit at North Shore Community College for a year. And then I ended up where I'm at now when I decided, OK, I want to go like back into management um, or admin level. And I ended up where I'm at now, Cambridge School Volunteers. But I also knew for me that was intentional because I had already worked in the public school system as a family community outreach coordinator. And, you know, I raised over $55,000 within the four years of me being there. And that includes both monetary and in-kind donations. Um, The school already had partnerships, but with me being there, we ended up gaining over 45 partners. And then actually what I did, like, because my background is marketing. uh, (laughs) Your background is everywhere, huh? Yeah, well, and well, I concentrated in marketing when I was an undergrad. Okay. So, <laughs> so we like we created the wall of support. So everybody who gave their name would go up on the wall, and then if you came back another year, there would be a star that would go next to your name. So everybody wanted to get on the wall of support. They took photos on there, everything. Um, <laughs> so it was a big deal. So I realized I had to kind of work at the other end. And the other end was really understanding how do you then partner with the school? Um, and then like, how, how do you as an outside partner work with a school and then still reach educational um, goals? So when I really say like everything is intentional and if you really, if you, if you can possibly think it up, like it'll happen. And I forget to tell myself, okay, I want to like, I want to be a director, but I want to be a part-time director, you know, <laughs> I want to ease back into this. 
How much uh, of what you, as you say, you know, you want to be a director, but a part-time director, how much of this has been deliberate footsteps versus things that have just popped up as a great opportunity and you said, this is going to get me to the next level? Part of it, I mean, some of it was deliberate. So, I mean, okay, all of it in a sense was deliberate. Let's be clear. But you still don't know how it's going to work out. So a big part of it, too, is you do have to apply yourself and you have to be strategic when you think about certain things, you know. So um, so when I started looking at positions, I put in part time director. The position came school volunteers popped up and I was like, oh, this is perfect <laughs> because, you know, it's a nonprofit organization and they provide free tutoring and mentoring services. Also, we are looking for tutors and mentors of color um, because we're really trying to diversify um, our staff so that we can make sure that all students are being serviced and so forth. And that's another conversation for another day. Um, but. Please we'll save it for another this, day, you know, but I'll also have you remind everybody towards the end, um, just in case there's some interest out there to be a tutor or a mentor. Yes. So, um, so the other, so a big part of it too is like, you know, so I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna apply for this position, and the mainly, mainly why I wanted to go back part time because I had a daughter, right? So and she's still young, um, so I still want to be in a position where I can take care of my daughter, and then at the same time, like, still do what it is that I like to do. And I mean, like, and really love to do, you know, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time too, like being in a position to learn. So I applied for positions, actually two positions. It was director of high school volunteers. You pretty much oversee like the program. Um, and at the time it was five programs and now it's six. Um, and then at the, and then the other position was director of college and college, uh, director of college readiness. So I applied for both positions and I was asked to come in for the director of, of volunteers. And I said, oh, okay. You know, so I went on the interview and I got it. But then when I received the offer, my, and when she, when um, my supervisor, my supervisor, she showed me the matrix, the director of college readiness program would report to the director of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she was, but when I received the offer, she asked me to be director of both. And that to me was like, wow, it was mind blowing. I wasn't necessarily expecting that, but at the same time, it was really, um, so just being in the position, the things that we've been able to do and, and to grow with it. One, like I was able to really help them develop, which was like part of being on board it to develop a system, like a database system to collect um, volunteers information so we can really look at that for recruitment purposes just also to evaluate quality of program uh, track who's coming in out the building so that's more for policy purposes and things of that nature um, but then also to just to have information for just different events and things it is that we offer so that was pretty exciting that was something that they didn't have before but then in addition to that I was able to build other databases to really look at our programs and see what are some things we're doing but on the college career mentoring side, uh, college career, and now it's called college career mentoring side. Again, at the time it was called readiness program. A big part of it was working with the young people and talking with them. So my first year there, I really stressed the importance of scholarships because I'm a scholarship recipient. So I received um, the Gates Millennium Scholarship. Didn't know I was going to get it uh, at all. I just happened to apply and found out the week before I was going to go off to college that 
I was awarded this scholarship literally the week before I was supposed to go off to school. Um, and it's because they had the wrong address. <laughs> but at least you got it. That's all that matters. You know? And but I was, but when I said like extremely blessed, like I knew I was a finalist, but I didn't know that I actually was awarded it until the week before I was supposed to go off to school. So that to me was like mind blowing, you know? Um, so really stressing the importance of like the scholarships and like why it's really important to really help students with that piece. So granted, they were already doing that, but we brought it up to another level, particularly because the school that we service is Cambridge Region Latin School. They have like a local scholarship database. So there's over 250 scholarships in there that were big amounts of money. A lot of the students that can actually qualify for the scholarships don't actually apply for them. But it's a lot of times people, I remember when I was an undergrad, like, yes, there's this big database. High school, of, high school, high school. Well, I know you're talking about high school, but I'm just okay. yeah. the point of like all these scholarships are available and students, one, they don't apply. But a lot of times people don't apply because they don't even know it exists. So the fact that exactly. they're letting them know this is there and pushing them to do it is really good. And that, you know what I mean? Like that's, it was mind boggling the amount of scholarships that were offered that we had no idea was there. And then when we tried to say, you know, someone come down from the office and talk to us, they were like, oh, we wouldn't do that. So we literally had to put on our own presentation, which was fine. We did the work. But the idea is like, there's all these scholarships and opportunities that are out there that people just don't even know about. So the fact that you guys are out there doing that is really great and commendable. And I'm sure very greatly appreciated by the recipients. Yeah. And so, and I'm, I'm sorry, April, but yes, um, I, I, um, yeah, so I'm, and I'm really sorry because when I said like, oh, I was talking about like high school, um, that was me not fully listening, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> but then the <laughs> other part of it too is just that like the, um, so that was one part of it. So we really stressed that like all the students who came in for our services, because for all of our out of school time services, they're all student self-identified. So they're not, I mean, they could be referred, they can be referred by guidance counselors, sometimes parents, whomever. They mm -hmm. will, you know, they'll say, oh, I want my kid to come and do X, Y, and Z. But for the most part, students self-identify for all the services that we offer for after school. Um, and so for all the students who participate in our program, we were really big on, like, making sure that we let them know that, like, listen, we have volunteers who are meant to who who are serving as college career mentors who are going to actually like really help you with that piece make sure you really you know take advantage of that so that you can be um so that you can you know at least like earn some money you know so that was one thing right um so it was really exciting um and it was it was big so there was a big push in that the first year the 22 um we started over 60 kids that year 66 kids that year for the college career mentoring program and 22 of them received scholarships um and 54 scholarships in total were were awarded one kid got like seven scholarships so that was big. The following year, we ended up changing the name. But a big reason why we changed the name was because of conversations that I've had with my mentors, as well as with the students that we serve. So we saw some kids who were coming in and they'll say, you know, oh, um, 
I want to go to this school. So they work on their whole entire essay. And then they say, like, midway through the school year, I don't want to do that. I think I want to go to school for cosmetology. So that's big, right? Like, you want to school for cosmetology. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Let's look at some schools you can potentially apply for. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that anymore. I think I want to do city year. So these were just the students that we alone were working with. And then, of course, there were some mentors who were there way before I got there. Um, so they were talking about how they work with students and they, you know, work with students who were applying for auto mechanic programs, doing like a whole host of different things. So it's like, well, why not actually add on that layer of doing college career mentoring, right? Because some of our mentors are already doing this. But in addition to that, also train other mentors that they'll be able to support students in these capacities as well. So I was wanted to change no, the name. Ahead. So how no, okay. does what your how does your current role now play into Seven Stones and the event coming in on Saturday? So for this particular workshop, um, and this is a great question. So for this particular workshop. We, for this particular workshop that I'm offering in Boston, it is a huge, it's a big result of, and although like this is like, I know this, right? Like I know this because like one, I'm from Boston. Two, like I went to Boston public schools. Um, Three, like many of my peers went to Boston public schools. And it's kind of the same thing, first generation and your family to go to college and, and so forth. So in terms of like what this free workshop is, is the opportunity to really understand how to implement strategies so that you can be successful in your next steps. So being expected to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life is crazy, right? Because developmentally, like your brain is still growing. Um, For women, it doesn't fully mature until you're like, 25 for guys when you're like 40. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not laughing. No, you can look I it up. Just saw this thing. No, I just saw this thing. You, you have had to have seen this meme where it's like, it's not that women are maturing faster, it's that we're held accountable for the things that we do at an earlier age. It's basically what it was trying to say. And it just reminds <laughs> me of that with this big age gap between 25 and 40, but continue. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. Um, But then the other part of it, too, is that, like, you know, that's huge. Like, to be expected to say, to be expected to say, you know, what are you going to do when you leave here is stressful. The other thing, too, is that, like, to know what you want to do is stressful. There's no way in the world you can figure out and say, oh, I want to do this. Like I said, for a long time, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Like, you couldn't tell me nothing. Like, that's what I was going to do, no matter how I ended up in this policy stuff. Like, when I did my internships and stuff in high school and all sorts of stuff, I could never get a job at McDonald's, but I'll land an internship for the state house or something. You know, like, that's just what it was for me. No, no, you're right. It's true. Like, I thought I was going to be a doctor until I actually started watching (laughs) ER and saw all this blood and realizing that you need to know, you know, what medicine and where to cut someone and all this stuff. So that all went out the window. But yeah, no, really, (laughs) you don't know what you want. You think you see something 
and you might know somebody who's in that role and you really like, you know, what they do or you it's glamorized on television or in a movie. So you think that's what you want to do. Um, and even when I graduated, like I applied for positions all over the place and it just, you know, industry wise, it was very different, but it all was mm-hmm. to business. But industry wise, it scanned like it spanned practically every industry and I've been in different things over the years I was in insurance and I was in private equity now I'm in law so you know I completely understand what you're saying about you're expected to know what you want to do and then you don't so I hope for anybody who has a kid who's listening to this or if a student happens to happens to listen to us don't worry about not knowing what you want to do right away take advantage of programs like this to kind of help guide you on that path yeah. And then the other part of it, too. So that's just one thing, like, so all those different things are scary hearing those things from my students. But then the other part of it, too, is that, like, unfortunately, there are there. Unfortunately, like us as a culture. So me, I'm an African-American woman um, and us as a culture, we are we are quick to say, you know, oh, you're 18. So you need to figure it out. But we're not taking to where our children are at and that's sure kids come in stressed out like they don't know what they're gonna do some kids are really on it some kids are not but us in terms of our culture we also need to rethink that too so one odds are already against us i just have to be very honest about that odds are already against us because when we think about the fact thereof that like our children attend schools where they're not, they don't have the most resources and it has nothing to do with the teachers or anything that's possible. And this is another conversation, but because of just the, the just resources that they need period. So some people probably seen what was happening in, um, I believe it was in Oklahoma, but Oklahoma, how they were showing like how the chairs and things like that were broken. All those different things really impact children's learning. So if you are distracted while you're in school, that means you're missing something. So if you're missing something academically that's going on right there in your class, there's no way you can dot the I's and make the connections when you learn the next thing. So everything that we learn is found is, um, is building blocks. That's how we build our skills. So we're already to some degree, depends on what schools you go to, you're at a disadvantage, right? That's one disadvantage. But then the other disadvantage too is just being able to have the resources and navigate them. So sometimes we're caught up in this mode where it's kind of like, oh, we're just going to figure it out. But we really have to kind of change that mindset and really figure out what it is that we need to do as a team. Because your child is already stressed out, like realistically, trying to figure out what it is they're going to do. It's exhausting. They're filling out applications. They might not even want to go to college. And there's nothing wrong with that. Plumbers make $80,000. I'm afraid for something to break in my house right now. <laughs> no, I see you. I always say, like, you know, if you find a garbage man, go for it. Like, there are different benefits to every job. Or people who ride the, or people who um, drive for the MBTA, like, they retire early. Like, oh, there are a lot of benefits to different jobs. So, like, we're saying $80,000. Sometimes it's not even about the money. Sometimes it's just about, like, other benefits that you get whether it's timing especially if you have children so you might need different hours or whatever so there are a lot of jobs that you shouldn't just really look at from the outside and think oh this is what it's going to be like 
when you don't know. Like, take the time to talk to somebody because you'll find out a lot about what they do. A lot. And you find out a whole lot. And it's just really interesting. So that's the other part of it, too, is bringing the parents into the conversation and to be a part of that. Um, and it's not to say that parents are involved because I have two sisters. Once um, both of my sisters were involved in their kids' education, but even just having conversations, like my oldest nephew is like 20, oh my God, how old is it? Sorry, like 27, 27. So <laughs> 27, you know, and then my other nephew is getting ready to graduate. My other nephew just graduated last year. But even talking to them about like what the process was like for them, they say the same thing. Like, you know, like, you know, it's a lot and they need to figure it like, you know, we need to figure it out. We need to figure it out together. And just even having those heart to heart conversations even help them to some degree look at different ways of how they want to support their kids so they can be successful when they're in college. So that's the other part of it. That's the family part of it. Um, I think the other part of it, too, is that, like sometimes you just don't know. So like I said, I'm first generation in my family to go to college. I'm the first one in my family to get a master's degree. So for me, I knew nothing about financial aid. My sister worked in the financial aid department um, when she was in school. And she told me like certain things. But then also financial aid looked very different for me because I decided to go to school out of state. Luckily for undergrad, for undergrad, like, you know, free ride. Um, for graduate school, the gay scholarship didn't cover that. Well, not for my program. Certain programs, they covered it, but not particularly for my program. So when it came down to sign off on loans, like I'm like, well, I'll pay it back. I know I'm going to get a job because I went to Columbia. And sometimes, I mean, it means something, but it don't. You know what I mean? It just really depends. And just, you know, being honest. Um, but the But the bigger part of it, too, is that, like, I still have a lot of debt. So my debt is going to be forgiven because of the loan forgiveness program, but a portion of my debt is not going to be forgiven. And the reason why is because I took out a private loan because I wasn't educated on that piece. So I'm stuck with paying, honestly, about $38,000 back. That's a lot of money, you know? But my debt in total, I mean, because it's not gone yet, um, (laughs) is over... 100k for grad school so really understanding like what does that mean is important it's really 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 important and part of that I you know in terms of taking that off I don't it wasn't as explicitly said to me because no like financial aid officers can't tell you what to do but if she would have said oh you know what like private loans don't get forgiven then I definitely wouldn't have done it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't sign off on it, but I was just looking at like the variables. Oh, it's a smaller, very like percent. It's um, not variables. I was looking at the interest rate. Oh, it's a smaller interest rate. Like, okay, you know, it's going to get forgiven. So I'm like walk around being ignorance is bliss. Not reading the response. And she said like, are you sure you want the private loan? But if she would have just simply said like private loans don't get forgiven because you can say that that's not telling me what to do. You're just giving me information. I wouldn't have signed off on it. You know, I I have that conversation with my parents all the time. I'm like, so I'm not really sure I would have made the decision I would have made, but then I say, you know what? I'm probably sure I would have made the decision I made. And it's a lot, it's a big financial burden, but I don't, for me, it was more about the experience. And I've kind of, I'm not recommending this to anyone. I've kind of come to the point where my undergrad 
it is what it is. It doesn't really have, I pay it. I pay more than what I'm supposed to. Maybe hopefully before I die, I will get out of debt from undergrad. But it's one of the things that doesn't have the biggest impact on you. So I don't. But my grad school loans, I will absolutely be paying that off. So yeah, it's just, it's looked at differently. And that's something that people need to know. I Like I said, I'll probably die with my undergrad. It is what it is. I, mm, I just, it's not on my radar as a thing that I need to absolutely pay off. <laughs> I don't know. People probably should not listen to me, but I'm just saying that's the way I look at it. It's not like I don't pay, I pay it, but I just realize there are other things I want to do in my life and it doesn't have that for me. I don't want people to be like, oh, I can just get loans and do what the fuck I want. No, don't listen. I realize for me in my life, it will not have as big of an impact as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So I commend you for offering um, Saturday's event because we've kind of covered a lot, right? Like we've talked about resources. Mm -hmm. We've talked about things that you don't know. We've talked about just the stress of deciding these things. So do you have um, a high level agenda for Saturday? And if so, what would that look like? So a great question, April. Um, It's going to include a couple of things. One is like really identifying what your goal is. So that's number one. And this in, this event is intended in whole, wholeheartedly for young people to come with their parents or guardians. And I say guardians because sometimes some people's parents are not able, um, because it might not be their parent that's their caretaker. And if a parent or a guardian can't come, then welcome somebody else to come along with you so that they can so that they can be a part of this experience with you. Um, and they can definitely be there to kind to hold you, to hold you accountable. But at the same time, like this is, this is a, we are in this together versus this is just you by yourself because we do that so often in our community and we shouldn't. Um, so the first part of it is one, identifying your goal. The second part of it is what is it that you want to do? And sometimes you have no clue about what you want to do. That's perfect. Identifying what are the different resources that can can possibly get you to the path of where it is you want to go. Um, and then finally, just like brief education on different things, resources they should consider. Um, because even if you're planning on going to a technical or a trade school or something along those lines, you still have to pay. That's not cheap. No, and the reality of it is that no matter what it is that you want to do, have to have some type of education and certification for it. And some of the things that kids tell me all the time is, oh, well, so-and-so did it, and they don't have this, they don't have that. Yeah, that is so-and-so's story. But guess how many other people want to be like so-and-so? And the millions of them that are not. Right. And I'm not, you can't be so-and-so. I 100% wholeheartedly believe that you will be so-and-so. But you need to also make sure that you have a plan. Because the person who has the education in that field, they're going to beat you to the punchline every time. So you want to make sure you're on the same along with it. Um, so that's it. And then just finally wrapping up with like developing their own plan. So that is not, I don't want to give it all away. No, um, don't give it all away. I just wanted, you know, people to get a sense of what they could get out of from Saturday. 
So, and then, so the, and, um, and so just really just making, so that's the overall goal of it. Um, so this is 100%, again, a free workshop. And a big part of this is because I realized that sometimes there's just different things that are going on um, in different communities. Sometimes you don't get that kind of chance to have somebody you can talk to one-on-one about this, or you didn't know certain things. Like there's certain things I tell kids all the time. They're like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, you know, so now you know what you're going to do. Now, at the end of the day, it's this thing called choice. We as human beings, we uh, all have. But I feel the more informed you are, it allows you to make a better choice. Very true. Um, so you talked about it being free and the agenda for the day. Um, what's the age range and the location? So the age range is um, 16 to 20. And sometimes people are like, why would you go all the way up to 20? Because some people do not have the opportunity. Um, oftentimes when um, people end up kind of leaving high school, they probably didn't have as much information that would have allowed them to really come up with a better plan for what it is that they want to do. So this is kind of an opportunity to really think about what is that you're currently doing now, how you can get closer to achieving your goal. Um, the other part of this is because I do also work at a community college and there's so many people during the summertime I work at a community college and there's so many people that I work with and they tell me, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Um, and when we really like go through like what their plan is as they're registering for classes and we really go through like a like really like breakdown of like, well, this is what you can do and this is how you can get there they're really grateful. And they're kind of like, man, I wish I would have thought about all these different things before I left. Um, the other part of it is that sometimes parents say to me, I wish like, you know, the, some of some of the kids that I know had that chance so they can still go back and talk to so-and-so at their school so they can do this. And the reality is, is that like, yeah, it would be great if they had that. But you also have to understand schools are serving like a lot of kids. So even for the kids that they're dealing with right at that moment, and even organizations like myself, when you're dealing with the populations that you're working with at that moment, it makes it a little bit harder for you to develop something different for someone else um, or to be able to expand those same resources. And then also the, re- the way it looks is completely different. So you might not have access to certain things that you would have at that certain age. So that's another reason why it's to um, young people who are still want to do and develop like a really strong plan so again the reason why it's college and career um because like i said everybody don't want to go to college and that's perfectly fine and you can still achieve your goals to define your success however you see it in different ways but i just want to help you think about different ways you can get there so this is free workshop this is the reason why it is free because I just want to give the information away so that you can be great. Um, and the location is at the Family Independence Initiative Office in Jamaica Plain. If you go to the Eventbrite, um, you can, and you put in my next steps, I'll get the exact location, and it's going to be from noon to 1.30. You have a packed agenda from noon to one thirty. Oh, I'm gonna get it done. I believe 
believe you. I know you can. I just know it's going to be high-powered and fast-paced. Um, well, and because you're doing a lot in an hour and a half, are you gonna? Are you anticipating any type of follow up to this event with participants or a similar event, um, maybe for newcomers? Yeah. So I mean, I would honestly, I'm always welcome to one on one. So even if I reach out, even after meeting with people and they're saying, "Yes, you know, I really want to kind of follow up. These are what some of my thoughts are, and things that things of that nature." Um, I, you know, I'm so. so have access to the right resources so that they can be in the position um, to really follow up with whatever it is they want to, whatever it is that they, that they're planning on doing. So if families after coming um, feel like they really want to reach out to me, they can definitely email me um, at sevenstonesconsultant at gmail.com. Um, and I will definitely follow up with them. We can schedule times to meet. I can definitely come into the Boston area um, to to meet up with them in different locations. If you're interested in having something at your school um, to really to support families and young people and working with guidance, I'm willing to do that because I know some counselors they have like 800 kids on their caseloads which includes seniors and it's stressful um so I'm always willing to come out to schools and support in that capacity and on a different side um if schools are just organizations that are really trying to develop a culture and career planning um series or program model I'm always more than willing to come and talk to them of course it's a little bit different because that's not going to be free but (laughs) but I'll I'll put together a nice package for them um but I'm also too always willing to entertain conversations and thoughts um to just really to be there to support them Oh, good. So you ran right into my next question because I was going to ask about, you know, how are you, um, were you open to partner, partnering with organizations or people? So you did, you took my job away from me, but um, <laughs> that's fine. You know, you're answering my questions, which I like. Um, but, you know, one more time for the people, the important stuff. What is the date? What is the time? Where is it going to be? Contact info. Sometimes it takes us a while to remember things and people might have missed it. So if you just want to run those details one more time. My next steps calls college and career planning Saturday, April 28th from 12 to 1.30 at the Family Independence Initiative located in Jamaica Plain. If you go to Eventbrite, you can type in my next steps and it will pop up. Um, you can register for free. Oh, so now I have a couple of questions that are kind of related, not really. Um, okay. I, I want to make sure that we talked about your event, but I also just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. So what's something that you would tell your younger self? Oh, my younger self. You did not pick up that Stokey Carmichael book at the South End Public Library in vain to write your book report that was in like the, you know, the, the diagram model where you have to use like a, a cereal box for it. I didn't want to 
write about all the other black history people. So I found his book and I was really impressed by how he organized students to be leaders in the civil rights movement. So it was all for this purpose. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, what's the last book you read? Oh, last book I read. Jeez. The, uh, Girl, the I'm last in the middle of like book. six books, so don't even worry about it. I start a book and put them down. I just want to know what, what you're reading. Um, a Hope in the Unseen. What was that? And I read that book actually when I was in uh, college. I did this program at Washington, um, at American University. It was like a policy thing. When I got tired of learning about business, sometimes I had to take a break. Um, <laughs> so I applied and I got in. I did the semester abroad there, American. It was great. So I read the. It was one of our assignments to to read that book, and it was really talking about this issue, like access. So I kid growing up in Washington D.C. Um, he eventually, you know, it's crazy because this is still happening in our community. So he, he, um, his father was incarcerated, um, but he was like, like, um, it's, it was, it's not halfway, but like, you know, they had like, um, I, I don't know why I can't think of the name right now. So it's kind of frustrating, but, um, like when they can leave and they go back, you know, the work release program. So his father's done the work release program. Um, you know, his parents didn't have a lot of money, all these other different things. And so he really wants to go to MIT. So he ended up doing like this, this, this program. Um, where he was at MIT, he didn't think that he was really like, he didn't think he was excelling as, 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 um, as well as compared to his counterparts, although he was smart as heck. But, you know, he still felt like he was behind. Um, but he actually ended up applying to MIT and ended up getting in, into in, into the school. He still talked about, like, some of the struggles and things that he had to deal with. So he was, like, overcoming in itself, like, you know, um, all those different barriers of entry. So dealing with the factor of that, you know, living in a low-income community, being of color, being a Black boy. So we already know what happens to our young Black boys and sometimes where um, – we don't promote academia versus, you know, street credibility. So just looking at kind of those different factors, like it's, it's, it's really, in, it's intense. And not that I'm not, not that I'm knocking, like being street smart or any of those things, because I like to say that I'm a hybrid of both, <laughs> you know, like I really am. Um, but I also feel like too, Oh my, and it kills me because again, this makes me think about some people I went to school with. Smart as heck, like smarter than me, you know? And I don't even think I'm that smart. I just work hard, you know? But that's, because that's how. Like, right? Like, it's not, not everyone is a genius. Some of us have to study and put in the effort. You know, like, like just smart as heck. And, but because of like what our society does, you know, it's like, um, throw labels on them, all these other different things, you know, you kind of deter them in their own way of being their own version of a success story. And then like, sometimes it's just that one crime and that one and any and everything else. Um, I know I'm like going on so many tangents. I was, so. all this, I was just thinking all this was in this book. What is the name of this I book again? I know. I'm sorry. So it wasn't on the book, but I, you know, this is how this is how why I'm so passionate about this stuff. Jeez, I gotta get myself together. So the book, like, really, 
the books talk about this young man and like basically all these different barriers that like he um he was facing and then like once he got to college how it was a struggle for him but he still ended up graduating from there he ended up like doing amazing things his um his mentor was um you know, was a congressman, all this other like great stuff. So it was a great book, Hope and Unseen. I recently started you reading it. So fast, Hope and Honesty. No, a Hope in the Unseen. A Let me see. I was, I did not hear that at all. A Hope in the Unseen. Yeah. Let me. Did I lose you? Talk now. <laughs> so. So did you? So wait, you reread it recently? Yep, I had I read I reread it recently, and it's by um, Ron Suskind. Sus, uh, uh, Sus, so yeah, it's a hope in the unseen. Okay, very good. Um, and here's for the fun question: macaroni and cheese or potato salad? macaroni and cheese i honestly i'm not a big fan of like potato salad at all no i'm just kidding i always i struggle between those two if i have to pick a starch i'm like which one is it gonna be but that's all my fun questions do you have any last thoughts that you want to share with the people um you know it's so funny my columbia bookmark is in there it's so funny anyway um my fun thought my fun thought I mean it doesn't have to be fun it could be anything anything you want to share with anybody just any oh, last no, I, no no I'm all about fun you know I'm oh. a combination of both okay. um all right my fun thought feed your mind some junk food sometimes I just told my social work interns this Sometimes you just get so caught up in, like, what's going on and being, like, so angry and, like, oh, why is it like that? And sometimes you just got to feed your mind some junk food, you know, like, watch some. Watch reality television. Like, people have like, all that fighting and it's a bad image of black women. And, I mean, I'm an older adult, so maybe it doesn't have, not maybe, I know it doesn't have as big an influence as me on me as it would someone who's younger. But to your point, it's like, you know, you're working hard, you're doing all this stuff. And sometimes you just need a little bit of entertainment. And if somebody is stupid enough to get paid to look crazy on television, I'm going to watch you. I, like, <laughs> that's between you, your family, and your God, what you doing. But I need to laugh every now and then, so I'm going to watch. So I agree with that 100%. And it was so funny because my intern told me that she told somebody else that. She said, I she said, I couldn't remember what you said, but I told them, relax your mind. And then she said, what did you say? I said, feed your mind some junk food. She goes, junk food. That's what it was. And started tapping her head. So it started, it made me laugh. <laughs> I, <laughs> but yeah, it's feed true. You need to. You can't yeah. be like going, going, going all the time and be so serious. Like there's a lot of work to be done. But sometimes you just need to take a break from the real world because the things that we're seeing these days, I I know the two of us would be on this forever. So I'm not even going to go there and say anything specific. But the things mm-hmm. that are going on these days, you would just go crazy. Especially yeah. being, being Black in America, you would go crazy. You need mind-numbing stuff sometimes. Just for five, whatever. And the other part of is that there's, I mean... We're human, so of course, like we have emotions and things like that. 
And sometimes it's good to kind of like hold on to like that anger because that, that anger, um, you know, can turn into, can turn into something that can be um, a pivotal, a, a pivotal point for you to change something in your life. But if you hold on to that anger and you let it fester and you don't do anything with it, you're stunting your growth on so many levels. So my, I, something I always say is that like everything is everything. Like, honestly, if you have a problem and you just keep like, like just letting that problem grow, go and go and go and go. It's like cancer. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't have a solution, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> How did you go from my nothing to not want to hear? You know what? No, 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 I'm talking, about, I'm talking about people like when they get angry about things, oh, like they get so angry about like things that's going on in this world. And, and it's okay to be upset and angry with what's going on. Right. Um, but my whole thing is like, if you, if you don't turn that anger into something good, you know, then that can be cancerous for you. Cause then you are just going to be an angry person all the time and you're not going to grow. So if you're going to keep talking about a problem, I don't want to hear about it. Talk about a solution. And I'm not saying go out there and start an organization. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. Like, if, if that's not your thing, that's not your thing. You know, everybody, that's not everybody's thing. But you can always come and be a tutor at Cambridge School Volunteers. Um, and support oh, that the young. segue. I like how you did that. You know, I just thought about that. See, that's... <laughs> we were supposed to come back to that, so I like how you slid that in there anyway. Yeah, you know, like that could be a way of you like channeling that anger, knowing that like you're helping somebody else. And even when I said that, like, you know, a big part of it's like, yeah, we want to increase diversity. And that's our big goal at the end of the day. Like, that's our big, we want to more, serve, you know, um, a lot of we serve many students of color so one of our bigger goals is making sure that that's reflective in our work and in our practices but like I tell everybody even if you come and you be a tutor you're not just going to be solely be working with a kid of color no but who is you know white or so forth um and there's nothing wrong with that but just even by you doing that is just as powerful because you're sharing things, you're building a relationship, you're doing, it's, it's, it's really powerful. And I don't think a lot of people get that. And in fact, we learn best when we learn from each other. Oh, look at you dropping the gems on your way out. I see you. Very nice. Well, I want to say thank you for coming on and agreeing to be my first interviewee. This was really fun. A nice way to ease into this process. Um, so one more time, what is your event? Where is it? How much does it cost? All that good stuff before I let you go. So it is my next steps. It will be held Saturday, April 28th at the Family Independence Initiative office um, in Jamaica Plain. You can go to Eventbrite, type in my next steps um, and register. It is free. It is a free, 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 free. 99 workshop <laughs> um and it is from noon to 1 30 
So I hope to see you there. If you can't get a family member or, um, you know, a, a family member to come, come with your friends, okay? One of the things I love is when I love when I see other kids bring other kids to come and get She told this kid yesterday when I was talking to him, which I didn't see him today. It's okay. I'm going to see him tomorrow. <laughs> he said, oh, she's going to get you. And then he looked at me and smiled, you know, because he's just going in a whole different direction. And he was like, yeah, you need to come. You need to get on that. You didn't fellowship financial aid. Are you serious? You got something to the schools. How are you going to get money? It was, it was so powerful, you know? He was like, yeah, you need to get on that. So when other kids are doing it to other kids, I think that's what's making it more powerful. I asked how you hear about Carol Jr. telling her friend, yeah, she's a senior. You should come talk to her. Please come talk to her. You know? Yep. Well, you're doing good work, and I want to say thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening to my first Spotlight interview session. Um, up next will be all things I want to discuss. So I'm back with all things I want to discuss. I'm going to start with Shondaland instead of ending with it this time around. Um, I'm not caught up with Grace, so I'm not going to go there. I'm, um, I'll watch the episode this weekend, and I'll add it for, for my next uh, podcast. I will say I have mixed feelings about the end, ending of Scandal. I don't even remember the last episode that I did an update for you guys, but just the last few that I that I watched, I really kind of sort of wasn't impressed. It almost seemed like they didn't know what to say or like how to end the episodes. I just, I don't know, I just wasn't happy. The last episode though, um, it was pretty good. Um, as we see, Olitz is alive and kicking, so I guess that's good. Jake's in jail, um, so obviously she couldn't go with him and they didn't really have another love interest this season. And but Jake being in jail, um, somebody had to go down, I, and I'll discuss that later. So I get that part, but his whole like just peaceful demeanor at the end, and having a memory flashback to when they were on the island and all this stuff, to me seems like crap. I'm sorry, it is just crap. In many ways, I feel like he had come to come to some sort of peace with who he was and what had been going on. You know, at the end, he told Cyrus that he was going to go back home. Like, he was just done, right? He was just done with being everybody's um, lapdog. And that's partly his own doing. Like, he, it's not like people were just out there requesting his help. Well, they were. But he also kind of presented himself in a way that's like, I'm here to be used. So it's understandable that that's what happened. Like, if you allow people to think that you're just there to be used, that's what they're going to do. They're going to use you. And it just seemed like he had reached a point where he's like, you know what, this isn't what I want to do anymore and I need to recalibrate. And so he's just like, I'm going to go home. And then to just end up in prison and be all peaceful laying on some cot, um, no. I, I, I just don't buy that. Like, I get this whole, like, as long as you're free in your mind, you're not really in prison. But he's about to spend the rest of his life in a padded cell by himself. I And he had this plan to escape. So I just, or to at least leave, I just, I'm not buying it, right? Like, somebody has to take the downfall, and a lot of times it's not the most powerful person. So in this scenario, I'm thinking of Cyrus. Um, so it, it does make sense, again, that Jake is the one who falls. But I just feel like with entertainment television, 
Jay could have had a better ending than that. Um, so in my mind, when they get ready to transfer him, he goes free. And remember, Jake Ballard doesn't really exist. I know he can't really change his face, but Jake Ballard doesn't exist. So I'm going to have this creative mind that when they're getting ready to transfer him, Papa Pope is going to come help save his son and he's just going to go live somewhere else. If Olivia's mother, a known terrorist, can escape, then he can find a way to escape and maybe land on the island. Because him just being up in prison like that. And it's not that he's done wrong things, because he's done wrong things and he should pay for his crimes. I'm just not satisfied with him being in prison and Cyrus just out there resigning and acting like life goes on. Um, no. I feel like Cyrus should have gotten some sort of justice too. And for me, the ultimate ending would have been if um, when he tried to get David to to have the drink with him, if David would have been like, no, after you, and Cyrus had to drink it. Um, that would have been, like, just desserts for me. Like, you tried to fake your death, and then you turn around and actually die, and that would have been great. And David, like, I'm sorry. I just didn't find it really believable that David is going to be this naive to jump out of his bed at God knows what hour because him and Abby were in bed. So you jump out of your bed to go to the VP's house for him to sign some confession, and then you have a drink with a man who tried to kill himself and you were on the plane, so he doesn't care about you or what happens, and you know what type of people they are, and you've been around long enough to know the type of things that could happen, and you just drink the drink. You don't even wait for him to drink. Like, come on. And in real life, we wait, and we're like, oh, let's toast or let's whatever. Like, he was so naive, and I just feel like after, what is it, seven seasons or however many seasons Scandal is at, um, that you that you're just naive enough to just drink the drink, and not only do you drink the drink, but you start to feel weird, and then you take an even bigger gulp, even though you're struggling. Like it's not even like you switched and said, "Oh, me, I think I need water or whatever." So I just wasn't really happy happy with David's ending. I know somebody had to die. I just wish it was Cyrus instead of David. Um, and everybody else seemed to be. Okay, I I wasn't overly concerned with how they ended, how the story ended for everyone else. It just seemed all right. I like that Olivia and her dad, you know, they showed their little, they're having dinner. So it was nice to see that relationship um, building and being what it is, like father-daughter and not this antagonistic relationship. And I just feel like on some level, there's this idea of acceptance and of who she is, right? Because his whole thing is, I can't believe none of my kids have this um, have this power within them, right? Like they, I've given them all the tools to be out there in this world and realize what type of power they wield and they're both just struggling. And to me, it just was kind of him saying, you know, I've had to save her this one last time. I realize she's not going to be who I want her to be, but I accept it for that. And then just also being able to get through all of the BS that they've gone through. I don't know if I could really say with somebody who pulled out a gun on me, but whatever. They may should do it. It's television. So I kind of like that ending. Um, oh, but Papa Pope's speech. Now, I don't really know if B613 exists. I'm sorry. I don't put anything past the American government. I don't put anything past a lot of governments, to be quite honest. Um, so sometimes, you know, I don't know if something will come up and, I really, and I'll really discuss my views on that, but I really don't put anything past anybody. So... Going with the idea that B6, um, B613 being, you know, founded and ruled by a black man and 
and his hand in everything that happens in America. And while people think it's, you know, older white men who are really running things, it's really this black man, um, was just really powerful. Because although that might not exist, the idea is still the same, right? America cannot handle a black man in power. We saw that with our own president. Like, how many policies did they try to railroad? How many things are they undoing right now? Um, how did they talk about him so much, him and his family? So we, all these things may be real, and while it's not apples to apples, America just can't handle it. And I love that, you know, he put it out there and was like, you, you can't, right? America can't handle this. You can't handle this. You live in your own world and you think that you're, you know, powerful because you're rich and you're white and all this stuff. But reality is I'm what's keeping this running. And it was just like, yes. And he always delivers. Um, I read one of his posts that he didn't have any say in what he said, but he had say in the delivery. And his delivery was spot on all the time. Um, I'm going to miss him. I need him to be in another show and to be in something because he is um, just a great actor, like the actor's actor, you know? Um so, yeah, scandal ended okay. Um, everybody did their part. I was surprised Olivia wasn't like, I'm going to go to Vermont with Fitz when um, she was talking to Melly and n- not wanting to be on with the White House. That's really what I thought she was going to say. I'm not going to joke, and I'm not lying. I thought she was going to be like, I think I'm going to go to Vermont, um, which is probably what's going to happen. Uh, what else? Oh, I did not talk about how to get away with murder, and I know this was weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Um... Whose child is that? Um, the 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 black boy that they showed at the end. I'm assuming he's uh, what is her name? Is it Abby? Am I making that up? It's been so long. I don't even know these characters' names. <laughs> I don't remember. But you know the blonde chick who works for Annalise. Is it her kid or is it somebody else's child? I know. Um, they were look. Nate was looking into her file and realizing that her kid was still alive. So it seems to be all things are pointing to that's who it is. But sometimes, you know, the obvious isn't isn't really the way it is. Um, I don't think Laurel killed her mom. I don't. I think like that's what they want you to think. I for some reason I would just be really surprised. I do think there was a struggle. I do think there's some mystery there. But I don't think that's what happened to her mother. I think realistically she probably they probably talked about bringing her father down and it was a and there was just a way out I think that's all that really happened and it sucks for him because he's gonna spend the rest of his life in jail but whatever being an evil parent you get what you deserve and it is what it is he killed his daughter's boyfriend I still I don't remember if I really understand why now um it's been so long ago so maybe once the season started again it'll come running back to me but as far as I can tell there doesn't really seem to be a legit reason so whatever go to jail rot um Michaela oh my god so she is like that person who has it inside of them and maybe their natural nature is to be evil and and they're really trying to be good. At least that's the way I feel about her right now. I mean, I love her. You know, she's a black woman doing her thing. So I'm always going to be rooting for her or whatever. But I just mean, realistically, her character is one of those people who it's like, you're doing more to do good than um, than not. Like, that's where your effort really is. Because otherwise, you would pick to do the wrong thing. Like, having Homeboy deported, I'm sorry. It is bullshit to be saying, I did the thing that needed to be done. Um, you don't know. He could just be happy to freaking be alive for crying out loud. Or there could have been some other, some other thing that could have, they could have used to make sure that he wouldn't talk. Um, yeah, 
they, I just feel like there was some other things that could have been done and her excuse of I did what needed to be done is crap. Although I love the character development. Um, and I wish that we could see Tegan um, in coming seasons. I know realistically there's no need for her. But I just like this idea of seeing these powerful women, powerful black women on the screen and how they interact with each other and being smart. Um, so that's just really cool. Um is there anything else I wanted to say? I don't really think so. I'm just waiting to see what happens with Asher. I have some thoughts, but I think I'll save them for next season because they're like, mm, they're interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like nothing else was really worth mentioning. Karna and Ollie, huh? whatever. Again, you guys know how I feel about them all of a sudden getting married. They have so many issues. Marriage is not the answer, but whatever. Who am I? Um, so, yeah, that's all I have for Shondaland. Uh, Tiffany Haddish. I don't know if you guys saw the video with her um, berating the TMZ cameraman. I'm team Tiffany on this one. Like, people are trying to say, you know, he's not obligated to help you and just, you know, you're a woman, you could do it too, and all these other things like that. I can, which I get, although my personal views on that are no. I'm sorry. If you're a man and you're just watching me struggle, put stuff away, it, you don't even, even if you don't try to ask for something of me, but you're just watching me, eh, you're whack, you're whack in my book. I, like, it just is what it is. I can discuss this more at another time, but in my book, you're, you're whack. Like, God naturally gave you more upper body strength than what he gave me, and yes, I could do it, but if you're watching me do it, I have nothing to say to you. Like, what type of person are you? Honestly, what type of person are you that you could help someone and you choose not to? And that's what it really boiled down to me. Um, like, you could help her, but he didn't. And then you want to throw a camera and microphone in her face and ask her questions and expected that she would be like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm going to tell you everything you want to know. That's crap. That's just like if someone didn't hold the door for you and you're carrying things and then all of a sudden needed something from you or, or was going to interview you for whatever reason. Like, you would not be happy. And I just think that people need to remember that. And don't put so much on this, oh, she shouldn't expect a man to help her and, oh, she should have packed lighter and all this stuff. It's crap. At the end of the day, he needed something for her, watched her struggle. Like, there's just so many issues around that. I hope he's raising his kids better than that because, in my opinion, he sucks. And good for her for calling him out. Um, What else did I want to talk about? That might be it for now just because I want to make sure that you guys um, really get into this interview. Um, yes. I will cover some other things the next time for next week's episode. But for now, um, that's all I have. Oh, Kanye. That was the other thing. Yeah, this is going to be... He's going to have to be something I cover again in another episode. Um, I appreciate Kim for sticking up for her man. I, I think that's what you should do. You know, in public... Whatever. Stand by your significant other. But I just definitely hope there are some home conversations happening where she's like, look, bruh, this this ain't it. This ain't how we're going to do things. Like, it's one thing for her to say, you know, I don't agree with what he's saying. I don't agree with Trump. Like, I don't really care about what you do do not agree with. There is something going on there. And it's good that, you know, she's pointing out we need to be careful about how we talk about mental issues and, and just labeling people as such. Um other thoughts on that too but it's just a good reminder just so in general we don't throw things around there so kudos for her for doing those two things but realistically 
girl, your husband got issues. And you just need to be honest with that. And shout out to John Legend for being a real friend. I think I offend people sometimes when I say that you need better friends and all this type of stuff. But there's no way you can go through your life and your friends don't call you out on your bullshit. And John Legend is doing that. I hope it doesn't, you know deteriorate their friendship but good for him for calling him out you have other people who are like i know him and yada 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 before all this stuff but at the end of the day puerto rico is still devastated so how is he like if you can look at katrina and shout out and you know talk to us about george bush not caring about black people and puerto rico is still very devastated and trump is doing what like Yes, they have more power now. I, I Last time I think I did an episode, it was like 85%. It's probably better now. But at the end of the day, the island itself is still struggling. But you don't see the, you don't, you don't see this, right? Like, you, you can appreciate Trump's thought, but there's nothing wrong with Kanye. No. That's just not, that's just not it. So I will follow up with more thoughts on this. But um, we just need him to come back. I, I was with him when he was doing the post and all about this philosophy book. Oh, because that Candace Owens. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk about this later. Because after that, I was like, bruh. So you're pretty much at the same level. You had us all tricked, but you're, something's still not right there. So we need Kanye to be back on all the cylinders. Because right now, you could t- he can talk about he, him not being in the sunken place. But he's in the sunken place. And he's the worst because he's in denial about it. So that's worse when you're in denial about something. So until next time listeners thank you for listening to this episode and i'll be back next week i promise all right bye